right. Good morning, everybody. All right. It's a great day to be in the house. Let's go ahead and stand together. So we're going to be singing about the one thing that only can be given to us by Christ. It's joy. It's joy to the world. But go ahead and stand up. Loosen up. Just think about him. <laughs> joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart see so many family members coming in. I know we've got a lot of people out. It's just a wonderful time. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you. We can have joy because of Jesus. How wonderful it is as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I know, God, we have many people traveling. We ask you to protect them, bring them home safely. Many have traveled here we pray they'd have a great time here and that they too would return home safely. But God, for this service today, this morning, we ask you to bless it. 
We want to bring glory and honor to our wonderful, wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless this service. Draw us closer to you. God, we do love you and we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right. I'm going to have you stay right there for a second. We're doing a baptism this morning. Maria Swales Brown. She came forward to join the church last week. And you're probably wondering why she's not down here this second. And that's because I don't want her to die of hyperthermia. (laughs) You are never going to forget this baptism. (laughs) Family and friends, take lots of pictures. It's going to be great. Um, Are you ready? (laughs) Come here, darling. Hey, listen. You are doing this for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. That shows dedication and commitment. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, come here. Let's huddle for warmth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to. We're... <laughs> Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Yes. <laughs> And if you die today, you know for sure you go to heaven? No question. No question. Although having some heat. No, never mind, never mind. I was going to say something about the heat. But no, we want to go up. We want to go up. All right. Well, uh, do you want to give a testimony, preach a message, say anything? No, I just want to uh, say that I love the Lord with all my heart and soul. And I just pray that everyone will accept him as their Lord and Savior. And I thank my family for coming to join me, and I can't say nothing else because I'm too cold. All right, all right, go here. <laughs> grab your nose. All right, grab my wrist. Upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, raised by the power of his resurrection. <laughs> Oh, God bless her. That's, it's wonderful. There is nothing better than knowing Jesus Christ. Nothing better. Uh, I thank God for her willingness to get baptized anyway, even though the water was cold. And it's pretty cold this time of year, we understand. Uh, but uh, God is good. Well, if you are with us for the first time, we're so glad to have you here. You are our guest today. We appreciate you being here. You should have received a welcome packet out in our foyer. If you did not, in the pew right in front of you, there's a connection card. If you would, please take that. We want to pray for you. If you would fill that out and let us know your prayer request, we will be praying for you. Got several cards last week, and I've prayed for all of those requests. And we want to pray for you. So if you would uh, fill that out and turn it in, you can use the QR code on it or just fill it out with a a pen or pencil and give it to the ushers on the way out the door. If you're online, there's an online version. Just go to our website, click on I'm New Here. Again, we would love to pray for you. And if you will give us your email address, we have a special gift we'd like to send you. We can only do it by email. So if you'll give us your email address, we will get that to you right away. And we're so glad you're here today. You've joined us on a very special day, and we appreciate you being here. We pray that this service is a great blessing to you. Well, this time we'll have our video announcements. 
You know, Christmas is such a wonderful time of the year, and I love that our church has a candlelight Christmas Eve service. Our service will be tonight at 6 p.m., and it is so special. We light candles, we sing hymns, pastor will have a short devotion for each one of us. It's just going to be a great evening as we praise and honor the Lord. We hope to see you there. God has given our church a wonderful, long history. This year, we're celebrating our 82nd anniversary. God has been so good to us. Well, we're gonna have on January 7th, a wonderful service and then a legacy luncheon to follow where everyone brings a dish to share and we just have great fellowship and fun. If you go to your newsletter, you can sign up to tell us what dish you're bringing and we need everyone to come out that day because it's gonna be a wonderful, wonderful celebration. We'll see you all there. We all know how important prayer is and we have a great opportunity for a bunch of men to get together and learn how to pray and pray for our church, our country, our families at the Men's Prayer Advance. This year, it's gonna be in Roanoke, Virginia on January 25th through the 27th. And you can go to your newsletter and sign up. We already have a great group of guys going, but we want even more. So go to the newsletter and sign up today for the Men's Prayer Advance. It's gonna be an event like no other. Our missionary of the week is Ira Walton. Ira and his wife, Angela, have established the Alabama Baptist Seminary and Camp Legacy. The seminary trains young African-American men for ministry. The camp is being built to reach intercity children and teens. Please pray this week for the Waltons and for Alabama Baptist Seminary and Camp Legacy.
What a blessing. What a blessing. All right. Go ahead and stand with us. We're going to continue to sing some of our old classics. Uh, I think they did this one special for me. Mark the Herald Angels Sings. Oh, just smudge my glasses. Sorry. Hark. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sin is reconciled. Joyful ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem.
music this morning.
Amen. It's beautiful. Well, we're going to take a few minutes to pray before the message. If you would like to come to the altar, I invite you to do that at this time. Uh, a couple of special prayer requests, new prayer requests. Uh, Jerry Dodd, uh, one of our members, recently had back surgery just in the last few days. So be praying for him. And also Joseph Franklin, uh, former member, they live in Tampa, but many of his uh, family is here today back with us. Uh, but Joseph is in the hospital there in uh, the St. Pete area, somewhere down there, um, with his mom with him. Joseph, of course, was born very prematurely, weighed less than two pounds, had all kinds of physical problems. He's a young man, about 18, I think now. And uh, just last year had five uh, organ transplant. They transplanted all of his internal organs, or five of them anyway, major. So he's been through so much. Pray for that young man, wonderful young man. Well, let's pray. Father God, we do lift up Joseph. His whole life is a miracle. He would not be alive if not for you and your wonderful grace. And God, he's had many problems, but you have seen him through all of them. And we know he's disappointed. He and his mom were going to be here for Christmas. Instead, they're spending it in a hospital. But God, we know uh, you have your hand on the whole situation. And as bad as that seems to us, your word promises you will use it for good. So we trust that you will. Bless the family, comfort, and be near to them. We do pray for complete and total healing for Joseph. Whatever is going on, give the doctors wisdom and heal him. We lift up Jerry Dodd. We thank you for him. And uh, God, we ask you to help him to recover quickly and fully from this back surgery. Watch over him and bless him. Lord, we continue to pray for uh, Dale Williams, who had a tumor removed from his liver uh, for complete healing for Teresa Conrad, Rebecca Morgan, T. Smith, John O'Neill, Peggy Griffin, Harry Mosley, Ken Harriet, and for my wife, Terry. We just trust you, God, for all these people. Their complete healing. We want to see them all back here and healthy uh, very soon. We pray for Israel and the war that's going on over there. Many people are dying. It's, war is such an awful thing. I, in Israel, what's going on? The war in Ukraine. So many dying. God, use these conflicts to bring people to Christ. Teach people to know you. That's what truly matters. We know there's not going to be peace in this world until the Prince of Peace returns. But God, we do pray for a quick resolution uh, to both of these conflicts. Your word tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we do that right now and ask you, God, to bring peace to that region and bring people to Jesus. And now, God, as we look to your word today, we celebrate the birth of Jesus tomorrow. And God, I ask you to bless this message. People need to hear from you a word of encouragement and blessing you're so good, and you love us so much. So God bless this. Use me as your messenger today to give people exactly what they need, what you want them to have in this hour. We love you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may return to your seats. 
We're going to be in uh, Ephesians in a few minutes if you want to start going there. But let me ask you a few questions. What do you remember about Christmas growing up? Uh, Are there family traditions that you remember that you cherish? Maybe you have passed on and now you do the same things with your kids that you did when you were a kid. What are the traditions and and different things that you remember? Uh, Honestly, I, I remember some traditions from within our family more than I remember the Christmas presents. I don't remember that many presents that I got necessarily, but I remember things around Christmas and about Christmas. And, you know, every family is unique, and uh, every family is weird in their own way, too, if we're honest about it. Um, I, I remember growing up, now there were five kids in the family. I have two older sisters. I'm number three, right in the middle. So, yeah, I got all those problems, whatever they are, I don't know. Uh, Then I have a younger sister and a younger brother. So there's three girls, two boys. And for some reason, I don't know how this started. When when I was a kid growing up, my parents never wrapped presents. You know, wrapping paper costs money. And this is, obviously, I was a kid a few, uh, you know, 20 years ago or more. Uh, we, just, we didn't do wrapping paper. When you got up Christmas morning, the gifts were lined up. Here were Vicky's, Terry's. I have a sister, Terry, and a wife, Terry. Bill's, mine, Katie. Now I have a sister, Katie, and a daughter-in-law, Katie. And Jim. So our, our gifts were just lined up. Mine were always in the middle, whether you started oldest to youngest or youngest to oldest. I'm in the middle either way. So... Uh, somehow it came, we came up with the idea that, you know, somebody might peek in the middle of the night. So for that reason, all five of us kids slept in the same room. <laughs> Christmas Eve, I, I have wonderful memories of sleeping in the same room with my brother and sisters on Christmas Eve. I don't know when it started from as young as I can remember. Uh, I don't know who got the bed or who slept on the floor or whose room we slept in. I can't remember. I'm sure I probably never got the bed. Either the youngest got it or the oldest, youngest two or oldest two. I'm on the floor either way. So, uh, but we always slept in the same room. And I also remember we had a silver Christmas tree. That's just wrong. That's, that's child abuse is what that is. I hated that tree. We had a silver Christmas tree, and the only ornaments on that tree were blue balls. That's it. And it, it, I remember putting the tree together. It was in a box. Every branch was the same size. It came out of a sleeve, and you stuck it in a tree, and one went straight up, and then they kind of went down like this and formed a tree. And my dad would put a color wheel behind the tree. <laughs> yeah, some of you know. I can remember laying in my bed, watching the tree. Yellow, red, blue, green, yellow, 
or couldn't get to sleep, I'd be staring at that tree because it's silver. The color wheel makes the whole tree change colors. This is not Christmassy. Like, Dad, we'll give up presents. Can we have a real tree, please? No chance. We never got a real tree. The other thing I remember as a kid, you know, you're supposed to leave out. What do you leave out for Santa? Did everybody leave out cookies and milk? Well, I started to say, you're all normal. Not my house. We left out cookies and beer. You, you now understand why I'm so messed up. <laughs> Middle child, silver tree, beer for Santa. My dad's like, Santa's tired of getting milk in every house. By the time he gets here, he wants a beer. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's my family. Uh, gotta love them. Now, families have a major impact on us, don't they? They do. Family was established by God in the Garden of Eden. God started families. There's people today that want to get rid of the family. Doesn't even make sense. It's totally unnatural. Uh, but they hate God is what the problem is. God established the family. Our family, those are the first people we know. Even if you're the oldest child or an only child, the first people you knew were mom and dad. Now, you might have had grandparents living at home or an aunt or uncle or cousin or whatever, uh, but the first people you know are your family. They're the first ones we know. They're the first ones we love. They're the ones we learn the most from. Most knowledge, uh, scientists will tell you, most knowledge is accumulated in the first six years of life. In other words, it's too late for us. No, not all knowledge, most. The first six years, those years are very, very critical. We learn the most from families. They shape us and mold us more than anyone else. Family is where we learn the values that shape our character and guide our actions. Family for most people, is the safest place. When things are bad, what do you want to do? Go home. Bad day at school, you want to go home. Bad day at work, you want to go home. Family should be a safe place. Now, I, I understand some people didn't have a very good family life. I, I do understand because got some good memories from younger and then my parents got divorced and my mom remarried and my dad remarried and it was a mess from then on, that's for sure. I remember a lot of fighting, a lot of problems. My parents both remarried and they both got divorced again, so I've been through three divorces. Uh, again, I'm a mess, aren't I? Um, whether your family was wonderful or terrible or both, it had a major impact on who you are today. My, my family impacted me greatly. Some of it good, some of it not so good. 
My question for you today is what kind of family member are you? What kind of family member are you? Now, we've all got some interesting characters in our family. I got a lot of them. Uh, are you a loving family member? Are you a kind family member? A giving family member? Are you the peacemaker or are you the troublemaker? Are you the one that's always needy? You need people waiting on you and you need this and you need that. Are you the one always on the phone calling some family member for money? Always needing money for something. Or you're the one everybody calls because they want money. What kind of family member are you? Are you always correcting people? Are you always one-upping people? Well, yeah, that's a good story, but let me tell you what happened to me. Because your story is always a little bit better. You've been through a little bit more, whatever it was. Uh, we all know people like that. I hope none of us are people like that. Uh, if you are, it's time to change. Um, are, are you the only one saved in your family? And the rest of them look at you a little weird. I, I do know what that's like. Most of my family is not saved. But be careful. As a young Christian, I, you know, something happens and I'm giving them the Bible and giving them the Bible. And somebody said to me one day, you know, you use that Bible like a club. Ouch. And I was guilty. It was true. I wasn't intending to. I'm trying to help, but I was beating people up with the Bible. Don't do that. Love people. You know, our job is not to correct people. That's God's job. Our job is to love them and point them to Jesus. Be the one who loves. Be the family member who loves everybody right where they are. Just keep loving them. Love them to Jesus. You're not going to get them to stop drinking. Right. I'm, I come from a family of alcoholics. Obviously, you're leaving beer for Santa. You've got some alcohol issues in your family. Uh, lots of them in my family. Um, I, I don't go to my family now and try to get them all to stop drinking. I'm wasting my breath. I want them all to know Jesus. Amen. Jesus can stop them from drinking. What good? I've got one brother-in-law. He stopped drinking, but he's not saved. What good is that doing? You can go to hell drunk or you can go to hell sober. You still end up in hell. It doesn't matter. It needs to be born again. Getting people off alcohol doesn't solve anything. Well, it's good. They won't get a DUI and they won't kill somebody drunk driving. So that is a good thing. Everybody should stop drinking turns my stomach the idea Christian I've heard so many Christians justifying alcohol what are you thinking there is no justification for alcohol it's sin period oh, a little bit in the eggnog no just get the eggnog from the eggnog from the grocery store and drink it like it came don't doctor it up there is no excuse or reason to drink alcohol period no reason. It's horrible for you. Even the World Health Organization said no amount of alcohol is safe. None. Alcohol is a poison. 
It'll eventually kill you. Just stay away from the stuff. Don't try to justify Jesus turned water into wine. I believe you could drink the wine Jesus made all day and never act like a drunken fool. Uh, he turned the wa water into grape juice, which, by the way, grape juice was called wine in the Bible. Soon, anything that came from the grape was called wine, fermented or not. So uh, don't use that as an excuse. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Amen. Period. Let's just go with God. Get it. I didn't mean to preach on alcohol, just... Too many people drinking this stuff. I've seen the damage it has done in my family. Big time. My nephew spent a year in jail for DUI. It's bad news. He ran from the police and hit a house. It's only by God's grace that he survived. 100 miles an hour and you hit a house. And he was running because he'd already lost his license because of DUI. And that time they put him in jail and kept him a while. He doesn't drink anymore. This is a good thing. But not sure that he's saved. He, he made a profession of faith, but I don't see any evidence. So what kind of family member are you? Be a good family member. Point people to Jesus. The more important question, are you part of God's family? Ephesians chapter 1 I told you we'd be going there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It says we're adopted by God. God adopts us into his family. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The family of God is named after Jesus. What are we called? Christians. Where do we get our name? Jesus Christ. Christians. I'm part of the family of God. We sing that chorus sometimes. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Are you part of God's family? It's where everyone should be. It's where God wants everyone to be. In Isaiah chapter 57, this is a, a great verse here, Isaiah 57. You know, Isaiah's got a lot to say about the gospel. Even though it's Old Testament, Isaiah 53 talks about the crucifixion. But in Isaiah 57, in verse 15, it says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. So this is God speaking. God whose name is Holy, who inhabits eternity, says, I dwell in the high and holy place. God lives in the high and holy place. In Isaiah 6, he describes seeing God, and he said he's high and lifted up. And Isaiah 
in, in chapter 6, he describes the vision that he had of God on his throne. And it's just glorious. God sitting in the highest throne, reigning over everything. God on his throne. I sit in the high and holy place. God dwells in heaven. Now, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Christ sitteth on the right hand of the throne of God. So just imagine, God is sitting on the throne high above everything, and here's Jesus right here, who is God. God the Son. You've got God the Father, God the Son, seated at his right hand, the place of power, the place of authority, the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is seated there. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 6, it says, And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I just want you to get this picture because it's amazing. It's awesome. God the Father on his throne, high, lifted up, the highest, nothing higher than him. Jesus Christ at the right hand of the throne of God. He's sitting on his throne. And that verse said, we sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we're sitting all around in heaven. Glorious. Notice, that doesn't say one day after we die or after we're raptured, then we get to sit in heaven. No, 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 no. That's talking about right now. Right now. I'm a citizen of heaven. If you are part of God's family, your place is seated around Jesus who's at the right hand of the throne of God. We're all sitting around his feet. Amen. It's glorious. It's wonderful. My pastor, for a while, he would sign letters, keep looking down. People always say, keep looking up. He'd say, How, why would I look up? I'm as high as you can get. Just keep looking down. I'm already in heaven. That's our position. Spiritually, that's where we are. We forget that sometimes. Because we're physically in this nasty old world. But spiritually, we're in heaven already. We're citizens of heaven. I have dual citizenship. The United States and heaven. And the heavenly one's better. It's even better than, I think U.S. citizenship is the best citizenship you can have on earth. But heavenly citizenship is the best in the universe. And we have that. Now, Back in Isaiah 57, verse 15 again. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. So he said in Isaiah, yeah, 
You sit with me. God said, I sit with him who, with those who have a contrite and humble spirit. He doesn't sit with the proud. He doesn't sit with those who are not contrite, who were never sorry for their sin. Uh, God saved us, put us in Christ, brought us in heaven to live with him. Awesome. But he said, if you're not contrite and humble, you don't get to live with me. You, you can't come up here without contrition, without humility. Are you sure that you're saved? Are you part of God's family? Do you know that you're saved? Did you repent of your sin? So what contrite means to be sorry. Did you one day realize, listen, you don't have to know the day and time, but you better know there was a day and time where you said, you know what? I am in sin. My sin's going to take me to hell. My only hope is Jesus. I'm going to turn from this life of sin and turn to God. Repent of my sin. Turn your back on it and put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. Because only Jesus can save you. You can't save yourself. You think you can save yourself. You're not contrite. And you'll not sit with God in heaven. He sits with those who are contrite and humble. I'm good enough to get to heaven. No humility there. No, you're not going. You see, uh, we got this idea good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. No, it's backwards. Bad people go to heaven. Good people go to hell. What? Bad people who turn from their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ, they go to heaven. People who are good, yeah, I'm good. No, they can't get there. They end up in hell because they trust their goodness. Unless you're trusting Jesus Christ and him alone, unless you've repented of your sin, you will not see heaven. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You never lay eyes on it. You must be born again. Are you part of God's family? And if you're part of God's family, what kind of family member are you? Oh, not just in your own family, your physical family, but in God's family. What kind of family member are you? You see, our church is a family. We've been adopted into God's family, according to Ephesians 1 that I showed you. We were born into it. We're born again into the family of God. Psalm 68, 6 says, God setteth the solitary in families. You know what God does? All Christians on earth are part of the family of God. But God establishes local churches. We are a local church. We're not, we don't have any members of our church who live in Africa or South America or Australia. We have people from these places, but we don't have members there because, you know, it's kind of hard for them to come and to serve and be part of our church when they're not here. 
God sets up local churches. And the local church is a family. I've entitled this message, Fellowship Family Christmas. Because our church is a family, and we have Christmas many things together. Here it is, the day before Christmas, and we're together. And Christmas Eve, we're going to be together tonight. I just read you Psalm 68.6. God puts the solitary in families. People who don't have a family, God puts them in families. The church family. And this church is very, very much a family. Proverbs talks about, uh, in uh, Proverbs 18.24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm closer to people in this church than I am to my own brother. I love my brother. He lives in Cincinnati. I don't see him very often. The last time I saw him was two or three years ago. I don't know when I'll see him again. He won't come here. I've been trying to get him to come. Unless I go to Cincinnati, I'm not going to see him. Uh, I talk to him on the phone once or twice a year. Really, that's, that's about it. Um, we're not that close. I wish we were closer. I've got people in here that are much closer to me than my own brother. This is family. You all just helped me through the most difficult time of my life. When my wife had that accident, I, I still get emotional way too easily for me. I don't like getting emotional, but it's very hard for me not to get emotional when I think about my wife. And I know someone here don't know, August 15th of this year, she fell, hit her head, bleeding on the brain. They gave her 1% to 2% chance to live. It's a miracle. You say, well, that's not a miracle. It was 1% to 2% chance. How far she has recovered to this point is a miracle. Her therapist said, you are a miracle. It's the grace of God. It's your prayers. I believe in prayer. I don't believe my wife would be alive today if not for prayer. And she was, Lord willing, she's coming tonight. Um, there's no way she could make two services, so she wants to come uh, tonight for the Christmas Eve service. Uh, you were there for me and helped us and blessed us and people called and texted and cards and flowers. I, somehow y'all timed it. Every time the flowers would be dead, more flowers would come. And so I never told anybody. It just, it just happened. I, you were there, and I love you and appreciate you so much. Family. This really is family. I told you I entitled this uh, Fellowship Family Christmas. Our church family is important. We help each other. We need each other. We're going to show a few pictures of uh, our, our church family. Uh, and I don't even know what the pictures are. I'm going to watch them with you because I didn't pick them. I love it. Vacation Bible School graduation. Precious. Pastor Estrada, food. You can't have pictures of this church without food, that's for sure. 
of experience Christmas. You know, I'm seeing over and over so many people smiling. We're a family. And if you're not part of our family, we need you. We do. We need you. And you need us. People need people. That's the truth. People need people. We need each other. Uh, We need each other to be there when things are bad. We need each other when things are good to celebrate together. You know, we all have ups and downs. Life is not a flat road, that's for sure. There's peaks and there's valleys. We need each other. And we are a family. I I love this family. Uh, We need each other. We help each other. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron. We make each other better. We challenge each other spiritually. And we have in our church life groups to get together people of different interests, ages. It varies. We have a life group for all kinds of different things. And we always encourage people, get in there. Develop friendships and grow spiritually together. Life's not easy. Life is not a bed of roses. Life is full of problems. God is good. And we need each other to help each other through, to make it, to be there. I, I asked somebody today, um, oh, I, if I say this, I might end up with volunteers, but my, my wife coming tonight and, uh, of course, Michael and Katie are gone to Connecticut to be with her family for Christmas. So I asked somebody, could my wife sit with you? She wants to, to know she has someone to sit with and, and help her. She's, sometimes she needs help. She might have to get up and go out or whatever. Um, and it was, yes, of course, absolutely. And I know I could have asked probably anybody would have said yes. We're a family. Let's help each other. Let's be there. What kind of family member are you in the church? What heritage are we giving to our church kids? I, I started off talking about the things I remember as a kid at Christmas, and kids will remember all kinds of different things, and I, I'm scared to say what my kids might remember uh, later, somewhere along the way, I don't remember when this started, but the, not when I was a kid, but now we always watch the movie Elf. I don't know why. We watched the movie Elf, and my kids are gone, but after the service tonight, my wife and I will have uh, Christmas Eve dinner, and we're going to watch Elf. Uh, <laughs> In my family, if you say you sit on a throne of lies, everyone knows exactly where that came from and what it means. Um, by the way, I heard on the radio, number one watched Christmas movie in America this year is Elf. Number two is Christmas Vacation. 
And number three is Home Alone. And I said, and we did watch Home Alone already, so we're going to watch Elf. I said, wow, I haven't seen Christmas Vacation. I don't remember how long. I guess I need to watch that. Pastor Chuck said, don't do it. I'm like, what? He said, no, it's terrible. The language is horrible. You're going to have to go to the altar Sunday if you watch it. Just don't do it. So I won't be watching that one. I just said, uh, I don't remember it that well. It didn't impress me too much, so I won't feel like I missed out. I know some of you watch more traditional things like It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Carol and uh, Miracle on 34th Street was a big one when I was a kid. Uh, my wife watches all of them every year, all of it. White Christmas, you know, all the old classics, new classics, the one with the BB gun. What is that? A Christmas story? Yeah, that's the... That was uh, my daughter-in-law, Katie, her family. They always watch that movie. So, you know, we, we have tr traditions. What traditions are we giving to our church kids? Even within the church. See, I don't know. I have any memories in the church because we didn't go. Uh, Christmas Eve should be a wonderful service. And, and I want our Christmas Eve service to be very memorable for kids. They're going to remember, and we're doing just a little bit different this year. I'm, I want to work more, even more next year. Make it very memorable for kids. Bring your kids tonight. They're going to enjoy the service. It's going to be a good time. Uh, our Christmas Eve service, I think, is wonderful. In fact, Michael and Katie, they felt bad. Like, Mom and Dad, you're going to be home alone for Christmas. You know, that's not good. And why don't you... Come to Connecticut with us instead of staying alone. And I thought, I'd have to miss the Christmas Eve service. I don't want to miss our Christmas Eve service. I said, no, we're, I don't mind being alone with my wife. I like my wife. <laughs> Even after 35 years, I still like her. We still get along great. I, I'm fine with being alone with my wife. This is not a problem to me. Uh, it's a good thing. Completely alone, I wouldn't like that so much. Uh, but with my wife, it's fine. It will be just us for Christmas tomorrow, and that's okay. Um, I don't have a problem with that. We have in years past, for Christmas dinner, invited people over, but Terry's not, not up to that. We can't do that this year. Hopefully next year we can do that again. But, you know, I, things I think about this church and traditions, Christmas Eve is a big part of it, the decorations. I mean, look at this place. It's beautiful. That wreath, I love that wreath. I've been part of getting that wreath up there. It's heavy. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm too old to move that wreath. I mean, it's heavy. My back can't handle that wreath anymore. Um, but it's beautiful. It's decorated. I don't know. I don't even know how many Christmas trees we have in this building. It's a lot. It's wonderful. Everybody gets together on one Sunday after church and we put it all together and next week after church we take it all down. Uh, but it's beautiful. It's something I'll always remember. Our Christmas programs, wonderful Christmas programs. We had two this year. It was experience Christmas and the ornament. These are things I will always remember about our church. Christmas traditions. They're important. Um, Parents, what kind of Christmas traditions are you giving your kids? 
Do you read the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2? It's a good idea to do it. Read it. We didn't growing up. We do in my family now. Uh, families shape children. And church traditions will impact children. We need to understand as a church, families are broken. There's a lot of broken homes in here. The, the term broken home means mom and dad are not together in the home anymore. Broken home. That's a good name for it because it is broken. It is broken. It's damaged. And kids pay the highest price of it. And I can say that personally. I know it and I've seen it as a pastor. Kids pay a very, very high price when mom and dad get divorced or separate or fighting, all of that. It's hard on kids. They pay a high price. Church, we need to step up and help those kids in our church who don't have a dad in the home. Listen, there's a lot of sorry men in our country today that have abandoned their children. Turns my stomach. Kids having to grow up without a father. And I know some of that too. I didn't, talk, I didn't see or hear from my father the entire time I was in high school. I know what that's like. It's not good. Church, we need to step up and help these kids and be there for them. They need, they need men. They need women. They need people that love God to love on them. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is in the home, but it's also in the church. Now, mom and dad, and especially you single moms, you better get those kids in church. How's the church going to influence your kids if your kids aren't there? Get them in church. If you're a part of this church family, you are part of giving kids a love for God. They need to see God in you. They need to know someone cares about them. What kind of family member are you? Are you help, helping the kids in our church to know what it is to love and to walk with God? Let's be that kind of family member. So let me close. Most important are you sure you're part of God's family? Are you sure that you are part of God's family? If not, in just a few minutes, we'll have an invitation. We'll invite you to come. We would love to open the Bible and show you how you can know that you have eternal life. Not a hope-so salvation, a no-so. I know that I have eternal life. And the Bible says you can know too. We need to know. Are you in the family of God, but you're not a church member? Why not? Well, some of you are visiting from out of town. If you're not a member wherever you're from, you need to be a church member. Church membership is biblical. Be a church member. Get in the church. Be part of the family. If you are a church member here, are you the kind of family member that others can look up to? Are you using your spiritual gifts for the Lord? Are you using your talents and abilities to serve God? Are you setting a godly example for the children in our church? 
Are you loving them? Our church is a family. What kind of family member are you? Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. God, I thank you. As a young man, early 20s, you saved me and you put me in a church family that loved me as messed up as I was. They just loved me and taught me what it meant to know you, to love you, and to serve you. And God, now you've put me in this church family, and I love this family, and I thank you for them. Wonderful, wonderful, precious people. God, any that are here today that don't know Christ, bring them to Jesus. Break their hearts over this, their sin. Show them that they're missing out. They need Jesus. God, if there's any here, that, uh, some are here. They've been, uh, they've been guests over and over and over. They keep visiting. They need to get in. They need to get in and be part of the family. We need them and they need us. We need each other. We're needy people, God. But we have you and you meet every need. We just praise you and thank you for it. Help us, God to set wonderful examples for the children of our church. I want the kids in this church to grow up to know you, to serve you, to love you, to walk with you, and to be used by you to bring others to Christ. Now, Father, have your will in this invitation. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll sing a song of invitation. If you're not sure if you're saved, won't you come? Let us open the Bible and show you how you can know Christ. If you want to come and pray, you're welcome to do that. If you know God wants you to be part of this church family, won't you come see Pastor Chuck right here in the middle? If you have any other need, please come now. We want to help you. Come as we sing. Tell me the story of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart, every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. dismissed in a word of prayer we invite you back this evening we're gonna have a great time candlelight service a lot of singing i'll preach very short i've allotted myself 10 minutes that's it if i go over there's a trap door here that's going to just drop me straight through i have to preach from here uh, now we're gonna have a good time tonight be back tonight at six o'clock
Pastor Chuck will dismiss us in prayer. Before we uh, close in prayer, I, I see so many of my college students back home. I see the Franklin family here. Daniel and Karina are here. What? I oh, can't believe it. Oh, praise the Lord. What? Julie is here. Amen. And Danielle and uh, Ethan, did you just graduate? Yes, he did. He graduated from PCC. Oh, my goodness. It's like a reunion. I love it. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for my family. Lord, all these people, they mean so much to me. And uh, Lord, I want to be a better family member. Help us all to feel that way. There's always room for improvement. And uh, Father, I pray for all of our guests and, and family and friends, Lord, that they just feel at home here. And if they don't have a good Christian uh, church that preaches the Bible and loves on people, Lord, have them join us and be a part of this family. Father, I pray for a great afternoon, lots of uh, family fun and rest and relaxation and good food. And Lord, bring us back tonight for a very special candlelight service as we try to honor you and thank you for what you've done for us, giving us the greatest gift ever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.